Money FM 89.3. Best of breakfast. Now we are exactly two weeks away from the much-anticipated Singapore budget. Good morning. I'm Rachel Kelly with Lindley Fu joining you this Wednesday morning. What we know for now is that this year the government is looking at additional measures to help Singaporeans cope with issues revolving around cost of living, especially those in the more vulnerable and lower-income groups. That's correct. That's according to Deputy Prime Minister and Finance Minister Lawrence Wong, who will be delivering the budget statement in Parliament on the 14th of February, Valentine's Day, against a continued backdrop of uncertainties such as the mm. ongoing war in Ukraine, as well as geopolitical tensions between the US and China. Analysts and businesses have weighed in on their wish lists. That's right. They include measures to enhance the economy and jobs, sustainability, as well as a future fit forward Singapore social compact. To break all of this down, we're joined today by Annie Ko, Professor Emeritus of Finance Practice at Singapore Management University. Prof, good morning. Good morning, Lillian and Rachel. Morning, Prof. Now, Prof, we've seen special payouts dished out in past budgets, in particular the last three years through the pandemic. How might support measures in budget this time round compare with previous rounds of spending, keeping in mind that core inflation is projected mm. to stay inflated in the first half of the year? Good. So generally, I think in the last three years, we were very focused on taking care of the pandemic. And I think it would seem like a very simple budget then because, you know, it was a determined role. I think for budget 2023, it's what I would call a reset budget, Um, a chance to rebuild better, broader. And so with that perspective in mind, it will be focused maybe for the next three years, ensuring that fiscal uh, sustainability, because we have to rebuild the budget for the future as well. So the handouts, the subsidies will continue. There's no doubt about it, given current uh, cost of living, you know, uh, pressures. So, yes, the assurance package, I'm very sure uh, mm-hmm. DPM will top up. And um, the 30% of the vulnerable, that focus will be there. But, um, you know, if people are hoping that GST will not go up, I'm sorry, The commitment is there, 8% in 2023, 9% by 2024. So we still need to ensure that we have a sound budget that allows for us to build better even after three years into the future. Now, uh, there was an additional $640 million in last year's budget added. Then earmarked a further $1.4 billion last November Mm. with Mm. details to come this year, any inkling and what's to come? Okay, so I think the cost of living and subsidies are needed for ensuring that a livable environment. So that 30% at the bottom of our pyramid, um, a lot of it will go to, um, you know, CDC vouchers, will go to subsidies for healthcare and education. Mm-hmm. And I think the government has already committed that, um, you know, if you use public health and public education, that GST increase will be absorbed. So that, you know, our 
of the vulnerable will definitely be able to have, um, you know, a livable condition. So I do see, you know, maybe calibrated mm. increases, yeah, in our vouchers. So GST and GST vouchers go hand in hand together. And speaking of support measures, Prof, you've mentioned mm. support from the vulnerable and just taking a wider look now at the Singapore mm. Social Compact because it's been stressed time and again that a strong and robust social compact can help the nation better weather storms. As I mean, this was laid out in the Forward Singapore Initiative. So what are some of the other gaps that yeah. you see and how can the government partner the community to address these concerns? Very good. I've just returned from Davos oh. and I think, yes, and, you know, it's a divided world. In fact, Davos used the word fragmented, mm. which is actually even worse than divided. Yeah, it's like broken in pieces. And how are you going to glue them together? Um, the best glue in any society will be to anchor on values and purpose. So it's not a government's job only to look after our people and the country. So other than public people partnership, philanthropy is a very strong driver. So giving and encouraging giving from society is something that we would like to see. It should be in our culture, in our DNA, and um, that's the build-up. So I do, I do think that um, the government will tell the industry, you know, if we give you the 2.5 times tax credit, mm-hmm. can you give back better? So that will be one important driver. And I do see it happening already. So um, I'm part of the Eaton House Community mm-hmm. Fund. I'm on their board. And 20% of the eBridge profits go to the Community Fund. And then we are doing a fundraising event to try and help uh, many children, three to six years old, who do not have the chance to go to preschool to have the joy of learning and engaging their family members, even if it's a single parent, to be part of this whole process. So it's um, a community-style giving. And uh, I'm seeing some fruits from all these exercises that's coming in. Wonderful. And Prof, when we're talking about community, public-private partnership, we've also got to talk about uh, what's been happening when it comes to healthcare and support for healthcare. And not only for patients, but for the sector itself. You know, we are post-pandemic, but uh, we're still feeling the effects of Mm. um, COVID-19 while we're in the endemic stage. What forward-looking measures could we see see in this budget to prepare the healthcare sector for, you know, the persisting effects that we've seen from the pandemic, as well as our aging population, right? That all comes into the social compact. Very good. So family is the core. Yeah. And I think every one of us are conscious of it. In fact, the pandemic allowed for us to realize that what Mm. really matters. Home care would be something that I think the government would like to see, uh, upskilling the care economy. Don't always push down to hospitalization. So we have to go up the value chain, ensure that the um, community care services, home care services, preparing people at home to know how to care for their older folks and look at subsidies that could direct some of this into upstream instead of just going to the downstream primary care. I do see people reinventing their job roles. I know there are mm-hmm. people who have been retrenched and the government had continued to subsidize the training. It would be much more focused training, lifelong learning, and applying the learning to the job. 
So your jobs could be part-time jobs, gig jobs. I think the gig workers need help. There's no you know, social benefits at, for them at the moment. So we might want to encourage companies to, who engage uh, grab drivers, the delivery drivers, and you know, this gig sector to also have a healthcare plan, to have some kind of benefits, even if it's not the full CPS. So it's a relook at new jobs for new group of people. And people who were laid off in the past from very high-level jobs may actually want to go to jobs now that are more meaningful and more caring. So you've seen the SIA staff said, we are not going back to flying, but we definitely don't mind doing jobs in the healthcare sector and reinvent their roles. All right, Prof, I'm just going to touch on uh, some consumer, the consumer part of things. Mm. All right, we're all consumers, really. So yes. you, you talked about the GST hike earlier, more briefly. So in terms yes. of cash assistance or even tax relief, you know, how adequately will such moves be to address inflation fears? Mm. I think if you look at the 30% of the households, if you look at all the vouchers that's been given back, um, the GST actually hasn't really gone up for them. <laughs> mm. So it's good, it's good. It's something we want to do. I think the middle income group might feel some of the pressure. So you would definitely see government looking at um, targeted help. Uh, we will definitely have to have that GST because even that increase of 1% couldn't even fund our healthcare expenditure mm-hmm. fully. So we might look at personal income tax. I know that's also another very touchy area, mm. but our highest tax at the moment is still not as high as the global or regional tax. So we are likely to move, it's already been said in 2024 assessment year, we are going to move our highest income tax from 22 to 34%. It's part of that redistribution. There might be some pressures on housing, not because the government is not building enough, but we have a lot of supply chain issues. So we have to look at that sector as well, how to make housing affordable for our young people who are planning marriage and need a home of their own. Yeah. So those are all the tweaking that we have to do, not a global, you know, one-size-fits-all tax, but taxes in different areas where it could be redistributed to help our people build a home. Okay, Prof. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us today. Most welcome. And being our first guest on the new show. Yes. (laughs) Had to be you. I'm happy. I'm happy to be part of it. And all ladies. Yes. Yes. Uh, All power. (laughs) Have a good day, ladies. You too. Thanks, Prof. Thanks, Prof. We've been speaking with Professor Annie Koh. She's Professor Emeritus of Finance Practice at Singapore Management University, breaking down what you need to look out for in the upcoming budget. Keep it with us here on Money FM 89.3. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download the SPH Radio app available on Google Play or the App Store.